Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. Last year, we had our inaugural Supper and Sing, and it turned out to be one of the most enjoyable things I think we did as a church family last year. And so you can say that tonight is our second annual Supper and Sing, and I am really looking forward to the songs that Reed has prepared for us to sing this Advent season. I really enjoy the Christmas season, particularly for the songs and the hymns. I have so many favorite, I'm sure you do as well, Last week I mentioned the song that I probably like the least, but this morning I want to mention the one that I like the most. And this might be a little curveball. It is Handel's Messiah. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, wait a second, that is for the Easter season. Well, Handel wrote his oratorio, for Christmas. And guess who went up, went out and messed it up and moved it to the Easter season? America. In Britain, it was performed during the Christmas season as he intended it. But as it navigated its way across the Atlantic Ocean, we decided that it should be moved to Easter. But let me tell you, when I hear the chorus of Handel's Messiah during the Christmas season, it is a beautiful and wonderful and worshipful experience. I want to share with you part of this wonderful work. And it's the last part before the intermission and the first part right after. Hear this. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd, and he shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them into his bosom, and gently lead those that are with the young. Come unto him, all ye that labor, that are heavy laden, and he shall give you rest. Take his yoke upon you, and learn of him, for he is meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls." And then there's the chorus. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And then intermission. And when everyone returns, they begin with the chorus of John 1.29. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. This morning... We're speaking about the animals of Advent, and the first one that I want to look at is the lamb. So there's three things that we're going to examine. The good shepherd, the greater shepherd, and the sacrificial lamb. Let's pray. Jesus, you you are the lamb, and you have taken away our sins. And so we thank you that we can be reminded of this truth 
from your word. Lord Jesus, speak to us this morning. Penetrate our calloused hearts. Send your Holy Spirit to revive our souls. And may we see nothing but your beauty this morning. Forgive the one who speaks for my sins are great. Set me aside as you and you alone speak this morning. Amen. I love the story of the angel of God coming to the shepherds. This beautiful part of the Christmas story. I love their response. I love how they go to Bethlehem and they tell everyone. I love how it comes to an end with Mary treasuring all of these things in her heart. Many scholars believe that Mary was a reference for Luke as he writes his gospel. And I think you can sort of see it. As she's talking to Luke and she's telling him everything that happened, she looks at him and she says, and I treasured all of this in my heart. It was a beautiful thing to see in the middle of the night. These dirty shepherds run up to me and Joseph and to tell us that the host of heaven has proclaimed to them that salvation has come. And so, why did the angels come to the shepherds? It's a good question. They could have gone to the innkeeper who told Mary and Joseph there was no room. They could have come to political and military figures in Bethlehem and said, guess what? The King of Kings has been born. But instead, they go way out into the fields to the shepherd who are keeping watch over the flocks at night and they tell them the long-awaited Messiah of Israel has come. You better get your act together and head to Bethlehem and meet your king. And so with great fear and trepidation, they do this. So why shepherds? And I think that there are three reasons why God said, I'm going to make this great announcement. I'm going to turn the world upside down with this news. And I am going to tell these men watching over these animals. And I think the first reason that God decided to do this is because Jesus is the Good Shepherd. We talked about this last week. We mentioned John chapter 10 where Jesus says that He is the Good Shepherd. But this morning, I want us to go to Psalm 23. It's a passage you're probably all familiar with. You may not even have to turn in your Bibles. You may know this by heart. But let me read to you the first four verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Who's writing this? This is the great 
great-great-grandfather of Jesus. The King of Israel. And David is saying there is going to be a shepherd who is going to provide everything I need. David, although not having a clear view of who Jesus is and what Jesus would do, he knows that God is going to send a Savior. That God is going to be faithful to His covenant promises that He has made with Adam, and He has made with Noah, and He has made with Abraham, and Moses, and He is going to deliver His people. He is going to bring a shepherd. And that when the shepherd belongs to the people of Israel, when the shepherd belongs to us, I have all that I need. That is the New Living Translation. Instead of, I shall not want, it says, I have all that I need. Think about Jesus as the Good Shepherd in light of what King David is saying about his grandson about the long-expected Savior. I am safe. He leads me. I am safe. He leads me. David is someone who knew intimately what it meant to not be safe, to be chased by your enemy. He had people that wanted to see him destroyed. And David is saying in this good shepherd, in this Messiah He is going to bring safety to His people. And not only that, He is going to guide us. He is going to lead us. Every single step of the way. Look at verse 3. Excuse me, verse... um, Yes, verse 3. He says, He restores my soul. That you have a good shepherd that brings to you restoration. Now we all watch the shows on HGTV about restoring homes. One that's out right now is The Ugliest Houses in America. I don't know if you've seen it. And how they go in and they restore it. And I will, I've only seen a few episodes at this point But in each one, I say to myself, not possible. Can't be done. That house is beyond restoration. You just simply need to tear it down and start over with the foundation. And sure enough, an hour later, when the show comes to its conclusion, there is the world's ugliest house that has been transformed into something unbelievable. And that is what this shepherd does for you. He not only leads you, He not only protects you, He not only guides you, He restores you. He makes you all that you are not. He brings you salvation. He brings you new life. He brings you hope and joy and peace. This is what this shepherd does. This shepherd that David longed for. That Israel needed that we need. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now, I don't know about you, but 
I know my own heart and I know my own sin. And more often than not, the paths of righteousness are not where I'm headed. I am typically going down the path of Hunter's selfishness, Hunter's greed, Hunter's own self-interest. My favorite path that I go down, sadly, is the path of idolatry, the things of this world. But, but I have a shepherd. You have a shepherd who through His atoning work on the cross is leading you down what path? It's the path of righteousness. You don't see too many shepherds in the deep south. I don't know that I've ever seen a flock of sheep and a shepherd in our part of the world. And I thought, and I've read that in some places in the world this is the case, that shepherds walk in front of the flock and the sheep follow. Vicky and I were in Ireland many, many years ago. And we came across a shepherd in a small country road. And he was walking behind them. And he was using words, certain terms, certain phrases, and border collies to take this massive group of sheep who, by the way, they spray paint them with neon on the side so that they know that it's their sheep. And it just ruins the Hallmark card imagery of seeing this flock of sheep and the shepherd. But nonetheless, they go down this path perfectly. So many of them being guided by the shepherd. And that is the imagery that King David is presenting to us. The Messiah is going to come. He is going to redeem His people. He is going to bring us a righteousness that is alien to us. It does not reside in us because we are sinful people. He is going to give us His righteousness and He will guide us down that path to our ultimate destination and will not allow us to go astray. And if we do, what do we learn from John chapter 10? He will pursue us in love. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He is with us. Like those shepherds, at night, outside of Bethlehem, they are there protecting their flock. They don't want anything to happen to them during the night when they are laying down asleep. They have their rods, they have their staffs, and they are ready. And so what great truth for us that in our darkest hour, whatever that may be, that we can look to this good shepherd and know that he is there and he is ready. That he protects his people. And finally, at the end of verse 4, we learn that he is our comfort. This is what the good shepherd does for us. Then... I want us to also realize 
that he is the greater shepherd. That God comes to these shepherds and he announces the birth of Jesus because we know according to scripture that Jesus is the good shepherd. But I believe that God has also come to them and he has also made this announcement because they need to go and behold in the lap of Mary the greater shepherd. Now stop and think about this for a second. What did Abraham do before the Lord called him? He was a shepherd. What did Moses do after he left Egypt? He was a shepherd. What did David do before he became the king of Israel? He was a shepherd. Now these are the three pivotal figures in all of the Old Testament Scripture. Abraham, Moses, and David. All three shepherds. And so, and again, this is conjecture on some level, but God makes the announcement to the shepherds because He is saying to Israel, Abraham the shepherd, Moses the shepherd, David the shepherd, the one who is greater is here. He has arrived. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16. Probably not as familiar with this passage as you are Psalm 23. Now let me give you a little bit of a background before we read. Israel has gone into exile in Babylon. It is around the year 597 B.C. Things are bad. Israel has been covenantly unfaithful to God and He has sent them into exile as punishment. And God raises up prophets like Ezekiel to say to them, you need to repent and you need to worship and obey the one true God. God has also raised up these prophets to help Israel understand the violations of the covenant they have committed and how serious this is. And so it's pretty dire. But the prophets always offer a word of hope. So hear this. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them justice. I love verse 15. I 
myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. God is saying to Israel in exile, He is saying to them amidst their punishment, amidst their disobedience, their rebellion, their unwillingness to worship Him and love Him like they should. They have turned their back on Him and God comes to them and He says to them, I am coming for you. The one who is a greater shepherd than Abraham, a greater shepherd than Moses, and a greater shepherd than David will save you. And so God comes to these shepherds outside of Bethlehem and He is announcing to them, you've been delivered. So there's a lot going on this Christmas season. I was looking at my calendar yesterday and planning out different things until the end of the year and I just took a deep breath and sighed. There is a lot. And I am sure that all of you feel the same way. There are Christmas gatherings and celebrations and parties. But on top of that, there are also things that you have to get done before the end of the year, regardless of December 25th. And there's holiday stress. And it's hard to see the beauty of the season at times. So I wake up very early on Sunday mornings, even for me, very early. And I walked through our house, it was completely dark. And even in the darkness, I know where the switch is to turn on the Christmas tree. And I'm half awake, my eyes are not adjusted. It's dark. I stub my toe. And I flip on those lights. And the Christmas tree fills up most of the downstairs. The light is beautiful. And I had been working on this for several days prior. So I'm already thinking about God coming for me. And as that light this morning penetrated the darkness, it was a reminder of the light that has come into the world. And that I need to forget about the stress and the strain and the challenges and the difficulties of this season. Life in general. And I need to joyfully, I need to joyfully embrace the truth and the reality that my God has come for me. Just let that sink in to the deepest recesses of your soul. He came for you. The high King of heaven, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the greater shepherd, took on flesh in pursuit of your soul. It's such a joyful thing to reflect on and to think about. And I pray that it will be something that you carry with you 
through this season. Finally, the sacrificial lamb. He is not only the good shepherd, he is not only the greater shepherd, but he is the actual sacrificial lamb. John chapter 1, 29 says the next day, John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This was mentioned in Handel's Messiah earlier. John is perhaps thinking about Isaiah 53 where Isaiah also speaking to the Israelites who have turned their back on God, He is saying to them, He is not going to leave you forever. He is not going to leave you in your sin forever. There will be a servant who will suffer on your behalf. Now hear this. Verse 6 of 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on this suffering servant the iniquity of us. Who are we? We are the sheep that have gone astray. We have not gone down the paths of righteousness. We have gone every which direction. We are those sheep. But then hear what he, hear what he says in verse 7. He, the suffering servant, was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth anticipating, looking forward to the crucifixion. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. We are the sheep that have gone astray. There is going to come a perfect sheep who will redeem all of the other sheep, who will save all of the other sheep. This is, behold, the Lamb of God that John speaks about in chapter 1. And so if we think about this in terms of Isaiah chapter 53, we also think about Exodus chapter 12. God tells Israel that He is going to bring the final plague upon Egypt. And He tells them, if you will take a spotless lamb and sacrifice it and put its blood above your doors, I will pass over you. The blood will act as atonement for your unfaithfulness and sin. There will be punishment for those who do not do this. Their firstborn son will die. And so, when we come to the Christmas season... We can't help but think about Jesus as the sacrificial lamb. We think about Isaiah 53 and that God is going to send a perfect spotless lamb to atone for the sins of those who have sinned against Him. We think about the lamb and its blood from Exodus chapter 12 and regarding Passover. And then we come to our passage today and... God appears to the shepherds. Isn't it fitting? Go to Bethlehem. Go to the manger. Meet Joseph. Greet Mary. Give her a hug. But most importantly, you need to meet this spotless, perfect lamb. Because He will save you from your sins.
the most beautiful Christmas message of all. Let's pray. Our Lord, our God, our King, our Good Shepherd, our Greater Shepherd, the Lamb of God. Thank You for the salvation that You brought us, that You placed in a manger in Bethlehem. Thank You for making this announcement to the shepherds. Thank You for reminding us of this in Your Word. Thank You for coming for us and taking away our sin. It's in the name of the Good Shepherd we pray. Amen.